Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by Filecoin. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. You're watching The Hash on Coindesk TV, and the whole squad is here. Zach Seward, Wendy O, and Will Foxley are in the building. I'm Jen Sinassi. Zach, it's so nice to see your face looking so fresh. I missed you. I am feeling relaxed. I'm ready to dive into this. Let's go talk about some buzzwords, shall we? All right. AI-focused blockchain crypto GPT raises $10 million at a $250 million valuation. That is some stuff. They're working on ZK, zero-knowledge stuff. They're working on AI. GPT is in the name. There is so much going on here. It's just a fun one to start off a Monday with. I'm going to toss this to Will. There may be some future for AI and crypto. It may be how all these AIs interact with the world and their financial well-being, but I'm not sure that this is going to be the one. Let's dig in. What do you think about this news? I think you're exactly spot on there. This, this certainly is not the future for crypto and AI, or at least I hope it's not because I'm going to lose a lot of money and be on the sidelines once again. <laughs> Uh, the Zero Knowledge Project, CryptoGBT, obviously catches on to the now famous ChatGBT, which you know had a lot of users very quickly. So a lot of people want to talk about it. It's high up in Google search rankings. Of course, there's going to be a token associated with it. I sort of expected this to like occur, be a token, but not expect it to raise money, raise about $10 million at a $250 million valuation from DWF labs. And I hear Wendy snickering, so I have to throw this up to her. But if you look at the article and you look at anything online, there's not much here. Okay. There's like, there's the name, this spoken AI integration. There's an NFT in there because why not? But that's about it. Up to you, Wendy. I saw this coming. I just expected it to happen sooner. Why wouldn't you take advantage of all the buzzwords and the hype in a bear market and capitalize on it, even though the project might not be around tomorrow? Who knows? I don't know. We will need AI for crypto. Like I'm hearing people talk about AI bots for trading, all of those different types of things. And I think that there are some aspects of AI that could impact crypto. I actually did see, I think we actually covered it on the show that somebody used AI to kind of vet a smart contract or vet an old code and find some of the vulnerabilities. So I think that's cool. I think a feature like that would be great, especially for people that are doing fundamental analysis on different crypto projects that aren't necessarily super tech savvy. 
I don't know enough about this particular project and why they're worth $250 million and they have NFTs and what that will do to the ecosystem or how their tokenomics work. But congratulations for raising $10 million in a bear market. (laughs) I hope that people don't confuse this project with ChatGPT and go out and buy these tokens and think that they have some kind of stake into ChatGPT. So that is my like warning to the public. Don't get these two (laughs) things confused. They are not the same. They sound the same but they are not related at all. I want to know who provided this $10 million. Who are the investors in this project? Because I went off to the website. And so let's talk about the project before I talk about what I did when I went to the website. So the project is claiming to allow users to monetize their data. So they're looking at Web2 business models saying like, obviously, we can see why our data is valuable. Look at all of these Web2 businesses that have been able to monetize and leverage our data. And now we're going to let you own your data and use the data however however you want to. But the website is very kind of convoluted using kind of like these big numbers, you know, looking at the revenue of Google and other Web2 companies and doesn't really say how they're going to do this. So I'm a little bit confused as to how this is going to come to fruition. Great job raising $10 million. I want to know who the investors are, what kind of due diligence they did on this project and who the team members are. There's no team on the website. But Zach, I don't know if you have more information for us. Just want to suspend disbelief here for a little bit and think about the ways that AI could like intersect with crypto. AI is going to eat the world and the internet is going to be a very strange place when it's just AIs interacting with AIs. And I think there will be some future in which crypto is a big part of that. So I think there are, there is some sort of big picture that maybe maybe we're the midwits in the meme right now. And there's some big picture, smart brain, <laughs> small brain, AI, <laughs> crypto convergence that's going to occur. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're not seeing it. Jan, I saw your hand up. I just want to uh, bring us back to one thing. I think we spoke about this earlier this year. Like this AI phenomenon is really taking over crypto and crypto tokens are up as much as 220% this year. The three tokens that were referenced in, in the article I'm referencing are Aletheia AI, Fetch AI, and Singularity Net. So people are making their bets on crypto and AI. Whose hand did I see go up? Will, was it you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I already have an answer for Zach and that is that AI is basically machine learning and machine learning is basically smart contracts. So we already had this for quite a while. Okay. Like a lot of these things are quite similar, especially if you're looking at this article here and you're talking about like the intersection of crypto and AI. I think the only thing these people are really looking for is some sort of like way to move tokens around in like a pattern that you can preset, right? And the AI thing might add like a little functionality so you're able to like have it do it without you telling it to do it at a predetermined time. But that's about it, right? We already have a lot of that stuff with smart contracts. So again, I'm going to push back. I might be the midwit here, but I'm going to push back on you very hard this morning because I don't think there's anything here at the moment. That's it. I'm not even going to give you time to respond. I'm sorry. Let's go over to Bitcoin mining land and talk about this big piece that came out in the New York Times. This morning, a lot of people in Bitcoin mining circles have actually been waiting for this piece for quite a while because New York Times has been going around and asking Bitcoin miners for data about their Bitcoin mining sites. And now we have this very large piece, which you should definitely go check out because it is interesting. And there's also some really awesome graphics involved here. As a disclosure, before we jump into this, I do run media for a Bitcoin mining company. So I do have a little bit of a take on this whole story called The Real World Cost of the Digital Race for Bitcoin. This article goes into detail and data on how Bitcoin mining could or cannot be good for the environment. New York Times comes up with the fact that it's not good for the environment, that they're burning a lot of fossil fuels in order to mine Bitcoin. Kind of come from a stance that Bitcoin doesn't really have any value at this point. 
And they got to throw in there that the fact that Ethereum has moved away from proof of work to proof of stake, saying that essentially Bitcoin could make this decision to move to proof of stake if they wanted, but instead they choose to continue to burn oil and gas. Can I throw this one up to Wendy to get your take on it? This has definitely been in like the parlance for the crypto and culture conversation for the better part of three or four years now, increasingly so because of the Ethereum merge. But from your purview, how did you relate to this article or take it on? I don't think that they should be even relating Ethereum to Bitcoin because they're completely different use cases. Ethereum does something so much different. Like Bitcoin really was supposed to be a P2P system, digital cash. That was initially what it was for because of 2008, because of all of the inequalities in traditional financial systems. Ethereum was literally built for smart contracts, NFTs, gaming, utility, completely different. So the fact that they're trying to compare the two make absolutely no sense to me. It seems like a very poor argument. And yet again, we have mainstream media talking about how bad a specific solution for financial inequality is for the environment instead of actually taking a step back and outweighing the pros and the cons. And I'm always going to bring it back to the president of El Salvador and talk about how they're using 100% geothermal energy from volcanoes to mine Bitcoin, which doesn't have that big of a carbon footprint on that area of the world. So yet again, we have FUD coming out. And I, again, I think that mainstream media is going to continue to downplay the importance of Bitcoin because they want that CBDC in and they have to instill fear in the American people to do so. Zach, Jen, who wants it? Yeah, I mean, this is a really good piece. It's obviously been well-researched. It's obviously been worked on for a long time. The question is like, that gets lost in these debates. I think, Will, you kind of alluded to it. It's like, you can't assess something, something's energy cost without understanding what its value is, right? And I think what this piece kind of lacks is like a denominator, right? It's like we're dividing by zero when we're talking about these energy costs here. I think the piece is lacking in that regard, right? We don't talk about what Bitcoin can do or what it does in many countries around the world in terms of being a place where people can protect their wealth, right? That is something that is pro-social and valuable and arguably should exist for whatever future potential scenarios we in the West find ourselves in. So that I think is the part that kind of felt the most lacking, right? You're sort of measuring these costs, you're presenting all this data, you're trying to do, you know, admirable work in presenting the most comprehensive picture of the, you know, Bitcoin energy expense in the US. And yet you don't really entertain why it might be needed, right? There's all this sort of whataboutism in the Bitcoin community about like, well, what about dryers? Like dryers dry your clothes. They don't use dryers in Europe. That costs electricity, blah, 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 blah. And I don't want to sort of like fall into that whataboutism. But I think the thing that's lacking in this piece is like why Bitcoin exists in the first place. And it doesn't seem to give any credence to that. And I think that that is always where this debate kind of falls flat to me. The kicker of this piece is like, oh, for the days of the aluminum smelting plant in Texas, like, yes, the aluminum smelting plant also had pretty nasty emissions, I'm sure. And yet we sort of we have this idealized sort of vision that the piece closes on that I thought was interesting. But there's I mean, there's a lot in this piece. It's definitely worth checking out. But to me, that's sort of the overarching maybe flaw that we keep seeing in these debates time and time again. Jen, I'll kick it to you. I thought the exact same thing. And when I saw all of these graphs and the length of the piece, I was hoping that we would get some of that information that we say so often, like I wish that someone would go out there and collect all this different information and publish it in a way that we can actually make these comparisons with the right data. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen when we look at what regulators are saying about Bitcoin mining, what the mainstream media is saying about Bitcoin mining. It reminded me of a piece we spoke about a while back about Jack Dorsey investing in gridless, right? And this is a mining operation that is setting up in rural parts of Africa and bringing energy 
to communities who previously didn't have energy, right? And this is like the opposite of this extractive kind of mining that the New York Times is talking about in their piece, albeit like, is it actually extractive? I don't know about enough about mining to say that. But I have a question for you, Will. Do you think, given what regulators are saying, given what mainstream media is saying about mining, we're going to see more of this pop up in response? Oh, definitely. Like, I, it's at the intersection of everyone's tongue, right? So it's like crypto, which everyone wants to talk about, get rich fast. And then the culture wars with climate change, is it real or is it not? And all that debate, right? So like, this is only going to become like a more political issue going forward. So like, there'll be many New York Times think pieces about this. This is only the first. Uh, and I think the question really comes back to what Zach talked about. Do you think Bitcoin has value or do you not? And that's going to change fundamentally how you view this entire topic. Bitcoin does use a lot of energy, but is that energy usage worth it is really the key question here. Zach, back to you. Yeah, I mean, that's what it all boils down to. And I think, you know, it's incumbent upon the crypto community to present a compelling argument for why it is worth something, right? We keep seeing time and time again, oh, here's this energy that's being used. Again, I think households is probably a bad one that the New York Times latched on to here. But here, here's all this uh, energy that's being used. It's like equivalent to 10 times of the, the, the neighboring households in middle of nowhere, Kansas, right? But the crypto community has yet to really present, I think, in a way that has resonated with the mainstream, a reason why this power should be generated in the first place, right? And I think going back to the proof of stake thing that we sort of alluded to with Ethereum, that whole thing becomes really interesting in the regulatory context, I think, because the whole Gary Gensler, all proof of stake cryptocurrencies look pretty much like securities in the eyes of the US securities regulator. You know, I think you sort of see this sort of like suspicion that Gary is like a secret Bitcoin maxi because he sees proof of work as the one true decentralized thing, right? So that whole conversation is lost and is not really part of this piece, but is, is something that I think should be focused in on. But again, I think the value proposition, why we're spending all this energy has still yet to be fully communicated in a way that makes sense to the mainstream. And I think that's the big problem. I don't know. Will, Wendy, want to close this out? I just want to know, like, if we just use Bitcoin instead of banks, how much energy, what would that look like? That's my final thought here. I okay. do not have a number for you. We do not nobody does. Because the, the banks will never. And also, too, Gary Gensler can't <laughs> regulate Bitcoin. It would be too hard of a job for him. It requires too much critical thinking to do so. That's why he's just attacking <laughs> all POS coins. It's just super, it's just super easy. Your security, your security, your security. Everybody get, is a security, just like Oprah. Never a dull day. <laughs> Hey, this is Jensen Assey from The Hash. Are you heading to Consensus? Because I am, along with the rest of The Hash crew. If you're there, you have to connect with the Filecoin community ahead of Coindesk's big event at the Filecoin network base from April 24th through April 26th in downtown Austin. Join Filecoin ecosystem contributors for lightning talks on Web3, gaming, developer workshops, and the latest updates on the Filecoin virtual machine. Spanning three floors packed with programming and networking opportunities, the network base hosted by Filecoin Foundation is your go-to spot for cross-chain collaboration and connection in Austin. Register today at networkbase.io forward slash Austin. Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code THEHASH to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes.
It wouldn't be a holiday weekend without a explained DeFi. Sushi decks, which I did have some delicious sushi on Saturday <laughs> night. I just wanted you all to know that because it's pretty relevant to the story. Just kidding. Sushi Dex recovers 100 Ether after millions lost on weekend exploit. Um, so they recovered approximately 186,000 worth of Ethereum, following a $3.3 million exploit. A bug introduced into Sushi Swap last week exploited on Saturday and drained approximately $3.3 million worth, dollars worth of ETH from a single user's account. Yikes, 1,800 Ethereum. Blockchain security firm BlockSec recovered the ETH on Sunday by intercepting a transaction from the user's wallet to the hacker's wallet. The firm detected malicious activity during the attack temp and was able to effectively rescue part of the funds. Lead dev or head chef Jared Gray said on Sunday that they are working on a retrieval plan to secure the stolen funds and make affected users whole. This is kind of interesting considering some of the stuff that came out about FTX over the weekend and funds being moved and different things. And again, I'm not saying that anybody that was affiliated with this, but this was a Sam coin, I believe. So I don't know. Let's let's maybe put our tinfoil crowns on. I don't know. Jen, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, Jared Gray, I feel like is getting it from every different angle lately, right? He's been subpoenaed by the SEC. The sushi community is upset with him because he's not fully revealing what the subpoena said, but is asking for the DAO to create a legal fund to defend people like him and other uh, core contributors of Sushi DAO. He said that he's uninspired by the space recently. And now there's this hack that he has to deal with. It's good to hear that he wants to make everyone whole again. Given that $3.3 million number, though, you know, the 186000 that's been recovered has been recovered, but I wonder how they're going to recover the rest. It seems like there's a big chunk that's still outstanding. And I can only imagine that Jared is getting more disillusioned by the space. And that is my only take on this, Zach. Yeah, it's definitely sushi in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad last few weeks for that team because this really <laughs> does really suck. Bad. And it does, it does kind of put a... I don't know, it's a bummer. Like DeFi should work. DeFi should be good. Yet we see these things happen time and time and time again. And at some point, whether you're Jared Gray or others in the space, you just feel a bit down on the whole prospect of this decentralized finance thing, right? Why can't it be working yet? Why isn't this experimental technology working yet? Why can't we do these things that we would do with banks and other financial intermediaries with smart contracts without having to worry when we go to sleep at night that the whole thing's going to be drained the next morning? I think that's the thing that maybe people are feeling here that is a bit dispiriting and a bit discouraging. But it's something that I think a lot of builders in the space are obviously very motivated to try and fix. It just feels like we've seen this movie time and time and time and time again. And it feels really sad for those who believe in the prospect of DeFi as a really transformative technology. That's what I take away from this. We see exploits. I think the weekend, the holiday weekend angle is an apt one, Wendy, but it just feels kind of like Groundhog Day, DeFi edition. And it is a bit of a bummer. So I kind of see, I, I feel where Jared is coming from in this one. But Will, I got to kick it to you. Yeah, real quick before I hand it up to Wendy. The whole story, obviously unfortunate. The Jared Gray angle, also unfortunate with the SEC thing going on in the background. But Zach, to your point, I feel like the exploits are getting a little smaller, right? Like 3 million, that's not too bad compared to the other stuff we've seen. It was like billions of dollars last few years. So we got to give our hat tips a little <laughs> bit where they're due, Zach. Just a little bit. Smaller Sad. exploit. No, it is unfortunate. And like, if you look at the exploit right now, they're still in the process of recovering funds and they're asking everyone to revoke 
permissions for SushiSwap. So if you're watching this or if you know someone does use SushiSwap, tell them to go revoke access to different dApps that their MetaMask wallet or their other Ethereum wallet are interacting with Sushi right now because could still have your funds drained. And that's just how a lot of these smart contracts work, right? Like they're still figuring out the interconnections, figuring out the dependencies. It's going to be a while before any of this actually makes sense for a normal user. Right now, it's still testing in prod. Like I don't think that's really changed over the last three years. To, to your point there, Zach, when do you throw it up to you? Just really quickly, again, we're still in beta. Like all of this stuff is still in beta. Bitcoin is still in beta, even though it's one of the large, like it's been around longer than any of these other cryptocurrencies. So I think it's important to note if you're using any type of DeFi protocols, which I tend to stay away from because I get a little bit nervous. It's, you know, you got to be pretty tech savvy. You got to know how to revoke access. It's not necessarily the easiest thing. You can't just disconnect your MetaMask and whatnot. So it just kind of goes to show if you are going to be playing in DeFi, if you can try to use a small amount and just understand the risk. It's unfortunate that these things keep happening, but realistically, like we're still like, how old is DeFi really? Like we actually saw working products back in 2020. So I don't know. I just, it's unfortunate and hopefully um, things change in the near future. Zach, tossing it to you. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we're coming up on that third year anniversary of DeFi summer of 2020. And let's hope that like, you know, something can move the needle forward or that sort of captivates that original excitement and then makes it less scary for people to participate. We need a bigger hack. That's what we need. A bigger hack. A bigger hack. Anyway. Oh my God. Who will hack the hackers? All right, well, maybe a solution will be born out of this new fund. So crypto exchange BitGet has started a $100 million Asia-focused Web3 fund. Managing director of BitGet said in a statement to Coindesk, despite the bear run, BitGet has always been supporting promising and innovative projects and the development of the Web3 environment with a focus on Biddle. Later on, they talk about, um, you know, their thesis and commitment to marrying the worlds of CFI and DeFi. And so we can expect some of the funds to be allocated to projects trying to figure out solutions there. Well, I'm going to kick this off to you. Uh, $100 million fund in a bear market. What do you make of it? $100 million. Yeah, the first thing I thought about <laughs> with this whole story was... We talked about BitGet the other week when Japan gave them a warning for operating in the country without like the pop proper licenses, which does happen in Japan. If you follow like Japan's cryptocurrency history, like they're pretty tight on regulations. And so they do hand out those warnings pretty regularly. So maybe not something to be like fearful of. But I think it just does tell you that like these funds, they operate all over the world. These exchanges have lots of different arms to them and they do get a lot of money. So this one is run out of the Seychelles. They're going to boot up this $100 million fund, throw it up a bunch of money, different projects and keep moving along. I think that's probably like an underrated narrative with a lot of these cryptocurrency companies or exchanges. The fact that they can operate in so many different jurisdictions and continue to operate their business lines, even when they're getting slapped down. So I thought of Binance with the story where like they get slapped down all the time all over the world. And yeah, they continue to be like a dominant exchange. That was my high level take on it. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you. It's good to see that they got some funding for this fund that they're doing. Um, but Web3, again, doesn't really exist yet. So I need to know kind of more about like what they plan to do. Like what does Web3 mean to them? Does a crypto exchange need to operate in Web3? Like wouldn't that just be using a DEX or having a DEX arm? And if you did want to make a DEX, is I feel like it's not super complicated. And it doesn't require $100 million, but who knows what they're going to do. Um, and just as long as they're able to provide safe access to people's crypto so they can trade or I don't know exactly what they're doing. So. Wendy, just to add a little bit more information there. So this is launched as part of BitGet's Go Beyond Derivative Plan, which wants to support the Web3 environment and encourage a positive outlook on digital currencies. And again, they keep highlighting this 
bridge between CeFi and DeFi, so making DeFi more accessible. That's kind of what I got from reading about this Go Beyond derivative plan. So no, so no explain. I, I guess. I think that maybe, maybe. <laughs> Zach. Yeah, Web3 is just like a friendly word for crypto, right? Like it's a less scary word like than crypto, right? So maybe DeFi needs like a Web3 overhaul, rebrand. Maybe that would fix things. Um, yeah, Ooh, I, would, I like you, it. If you talk to like investors in the space, I think everyone is very excited about the activity they're seeing uh, in East Asia, right? You have Japan doing this like Web3 white paper, signaling their continued interest in supporting these companies. You have actual sort of people in Korea and other markets doing stuff that is cool, that uses, uses these technologies in a meaningful way. While everyone over here in the U.S. is sad and worried about the state of this regulatory crackdown. So I think that it makes complete sense. So this is a geographically focused fund. $100 million is not a huge fund. We've seen some really, really big funds uh, being rolled out over the last two years. But $100 million to support crypto builders in these markets makes a ton of sense. And I think it's kind of where a lot of people investing in this space see the prospect uh, for future returns taking place. So it makes sense that they'd be uh, focused on this on the, on this part of the world because that's where some of the excitement and some of the energy really is uh, relative to the, the doom and gloom over here uh, in the U.S. specifically. Wendy, what's up? We should um, rebrand DeFi to eFi, mm. easy finance. Mm. Come on. Got to go back to open finance. Easy finance, GPT. Open finance. I remember when that was going to be <laughs> a thing. Five, baby. Uh, Let's go back. Five. Go back to and then roots. we have to also add um, wind moon at the end just because, for the culture. Opfi, wind moon. GPT. All right, right, thanks everybody. That was the show today. (laughs) It's good to be back. All right, that was the hash. Welcome to the week. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O. Jensen Assey, Will Foxley. What a squad. This is a power lineup today. Good times. Mm. All right, check us out over on the Coindesk Podcast Network where you can get your hash fix in your headphones with not your eyes, but with your ears. That's over on the Podcast Network. Check that out. We'll talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.